0: Happy Mother's Day, I'm Patty Vernon. I'm a mama, I'm a grandma, I'm a member of Wildwood Christian Church, and I just happen to be married to the senior pastor, Doug Vernon. As a mom, clothing a child is one of the hardest things you can do. Have you ever tried to put shoes on a child who's scrunching up their toes? Or have you tried to diaper a runaway baby? And harder yet, have you ever tried to get a coat on a middle school child in the middle of winter. Clothing someone else is very hard. But what about clothing yourself? During this pandemic, I've noticed that I have like four shirts, a couple of pair of sweats, and a sweatshirt that I just wear, wash, repeat. Wear, wash, repeat. Today, we're going to talk about clothing ourselves with virtues that can help change our relationships. Listen Nessa the Barnard family reads Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, (sighs) social distance, (laughs) and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Love you, buddy. Forgive just as God forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Unity! Aww. Aren't they a great family? I found this verse probably a dozen years ago, and it has been so helpful to me in how I deal with difficult people in my life. It starts like this. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Now, you hear the word therefore, and so you're to look and see. What is it for. Well, Paul talks about how Christ has transformed us from our old self into our new self. He has brought us salvation. It doesn't matter our race, our gender, our status. Christ is in all and is all. And then it goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, holy, (laughs) I don't feel very holy how about you i know i'm a sinner and i expect you are a sinner too so the only way that we're holy is through the blood of jesus christ who has taken our sins and has put them on the cross with him he has made us holy and then it says we're dearly loved we are dearly loved by god we're favored by him we're his favorite he loves us with an unfailing love And now we are to clothe ourselves. We're supposed to put on virtues. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're going to talk about love. Love is also one. We'll talk about that later. When I was three years old and I was learning how to put on a sweater or my coat and it had buttons on it, I struggled with getting them correct. I would button down and then there'd always be this one hanging down, or maybe there was a big bubble where I missed one completely and went to the next one. Well, it seemed that always my uncle Stan would be there and he would notice that my buttons were messed up. As we went through life, every time I saw him or every time I talked to him, he would say, how are your buttons? So I'll ask you, as we speak through this, how are your buttons? How are you clothing yourself with Christ? How are you displaying these virtues we're going to talk about to others? How are you doing that? And as you do this, as we walk through this, as we walk through these virtues, I want you to think about not just somebody it's easy for you to display these virtues to but i want you to consider think about who is a difficult person in your life that it's very hard to display these virtues to the first one is compassion we're going to put on compassion. Now, compassion is different than sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is where I look at you and I see you going through a hard time and I think, man, that's so hard. I'm sorry that you're having to go through that. That's sympathy. And empathy is where I've gone through something super simple, similar to you. And I can look at you and I can say, oh my goodness, I I can relate to how you're feeling. I have been through that and I feel so sad that now you're going through it. Compassion is sorrow for someone going through it, but it goes to the next level. It's compassion followed up with and accompanied with this strong desire to alleviate their suffering. You know, I have my cute little grandchildren with with me a lot. And if they fall down, I feel sad for them that they are going through this sad thing right now. But I also know that I can alleviate some of that pain by picking them up and hugging them and comforting them, but then also putting a band-aid on it. I can have compassion. And Jesus was incredibly compassionate. Every time he met people, he saw them and felt compassion. He came into a group of people and he looked at them and saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them because he knew he could not only feel sad for them, but he had what it took to alleviate their need. God is called the Father of Compassion in 2 Corinthians 1. Listen to what it says. He's really hotwired us to be able to give compassion to others. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of Compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God gives us compassion so that we cannot just keep it to ourselves when we have trouble, but we can turn and we can give compassion to other people. How about that difficult person? Are you able to give them compassion when they're going through something? The next virtue we're putting on is kindness. When I thought about kindness, I thought, well, that's an easy one. That's the easiest one. But then I looked up and I saw what words described it. Some that were obvious, like, considerate, helpful, gentle. And then it said, humane. I said, humane. So if we're kind, we're humane. But if we're unkind, we're inhumane. That surprised me so much. When some, What I noticed as I studied then was when someone deserved punishment, deserved even death, And God chose kindness, chose mercy. That's when the word kindness was used. Over and over again, God could have annihilated people for their disobedience. But he chose in his kindness to not do that, to give them mercy instead. And he does that for us too. Listen to what it says in Titus 3. He gives us kindness But when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. God gives kindness when we don't deserve it. And when someone has done something to you, it's easy to want to treat them in a way that's unkind or inhumane. I know we're not going to kill them, but... Do we look at them and straight in the face and make eye contact? Do we ignore them? Do we say things in a mean or ugly way to them? Are we treating them unkind? Well, kindness is a fruit of the spirit. It means that it is something that is produced out of a life with Christ. So these people, these difficult people, are you able to give them the kindness that they deserve? Another thing we're to put on is humility. The world's view of humility is that we're insignificant, that we're inferior, that we're subservient. We don't have any importance, but that is not. When we look at Jesus, that is not what we see in him. He knew he was God. He is God, but he chose to make himself a servant and humble himself even to the point of death. In Philippians, it describes him, but it also describes how we're to exhibit hum- humility. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. As moms, as grandmas, as aunts, we it's so easy for us to look at our family and put them above ourselves. Humility is seeing ourselves as value, but really seeing the other people as more valuable. It's an attitude that we have. It's how we think about the other people in humility. Now, gentleness is the next one we're going to put on, and that is an action that we give towards others. Are we gentle with them? Are we gentle in the things we do? Are we gentle in our speech to them? Listen to what Proverbs 15.1 says. It's been one of my go-to ones as my kids were little and they would argue with each other or fight with each other. Proverbs was one that we'd go to and it says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we are in conflict, how we speak to each other matters. When people treat someone else with disrespect, they get disrespect back. So our job is to put on gentleness in the way that we treat others. And gentleness again is a fruit of the spirit that comes when we are in step with the spirit. The next thing we're going to put on is patience. <laughs> well, that's a hard one. I always heard that you should never pray for patience because if you pray for patience, God's going to perhaps give you more opportunities to be patient. When I studied the word patience, I found that there were two uses for it. One was in respect to the situation or the circumstance that you're going through. Like, let's think about this pandemic that we're in right now. Do you have patience? Well, patience in that regard is inspired by the hope that we're someday going to be through that. Isn't that how you feel? That's how I can have patience during this is because someday it's not going to be going on. I'll be able to go see my friends. So go to church, be together and connect. Now, patience in this verse is meaning in respect to other people. We have patience that is self-restraint before proceeding into action. We are inspired by giving them mercy. That's the kind of patience they're talking about here. And patience also is another fruit of the spirit. It comes because we are living a life that is filled with the spirit and the produce that comes out of us. The fruit that comes out of us is patience. So how are you doing so far? How are your buttons? Are you clothing yourself with the virtues of Christ? Now I'm going to encourage you to take some time later to look through every one of those compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and love, and say how am I doing? Patience really goes with verse 13 when it says bear with each other. Bear with each other. Social distance. Oh, (laughs) Yes, Barnard family, we need to bear with each other and that is so hard. Aren't there people in your life that are hard to live with, hard to work with, hard to be around? Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, we have to choose to forgive. We need to forgive grievances that we have against one another. And how do I know, how do I know that I have a grievance against somebody? If I am always complaining about them, I have a grievance. If just seeing them puts me in distress, I have a grievance. If I hold resentment, I have a grievance. If something has happened that I feel is very unjust or unfair to me or somebody in my family or friends that I love, I'm going to hold a grievance against that. If I've been offended in any way, I could be holding a grievance against someone else. So also, if you think of that person and it stirs up something, if you start to talk about whatever it was that happened that was offensive to you and you come to the place where it spills up again, then you know you have a grievance against someone. Have they come to your mind I know that it came to my mind as I was going through this that there's someone I still have a grievance against. Grievance is unforgiveness and it can turn into bitterness the more that you hold on to it. You might have a right to be angry. They may have done something, but being angry and holding on to that bitterness is like you drinking poison and thinking they are going to get hurt. Unforgiveness in the Greek is described in a picture as the person who is being unforgiveness is now being roped to your back and you have to carry them around with you all the time. The person who is not forgiving carries them around. And to get rid of that bitterness, to give them forgiveness, to and the word unforgiveness means to cut them loose, to take them off your back. How are you doing with that? We have to choose to forgive. Choosing is an act of will. It's a decision that we make apart from the person, apart from the fact that they may never come to you and say, please, I'm so sorry I did that. They probably are never going to come to you and say that. But it's a gift that we give out of obedience to Christ, to him. Unforgiveness affects our relationship with God. We've got to get rid of that script that we play where they've come and they've said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Instead, we've got to cut them loose, take them off our backs. The word for forgiveness is to let go, to let them go free. We need to do that. And how are we going to do that? I'm going to suggest to you that we bring all of our grievances and give them to God. We're gonna bring that offense to God. We need to bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. And how are we gonna do that? Well, I suggest that you bring it to God. All those grievances, bring it to God. I remember a few years ago, I realized I was holding grievances that happened so long ago, back in my childhood. And I was ticking them off. I had so many in my mind. And if I thought about them, it would bring me back into that same situation, that same conflict, that same thing that was done that was so difficult. So I decided that what I needed to do was just put them out before God, write them down, take a pen and my notebook and just write down everything i could think of and ask him lord would you please show me all the ways that i'm holding things against someone and so one afternoon i just sat and i wrote and i prayed and asked god show me something else and he would and help me remember something else that i'm holding against someone and i wrote it down i wrote down Mr. Boyle, who was a seventh-grade math teacher, who said something that embarrassed me and hurt me. And, you know, I held on to it for 40-some years thinking about what he said, and it impacted my life. Going on a mission trip, one of the sponsors of the mission trip said something so unkind to me, and it made me really not want to go on any more mission trips because I was afraid that that kind of thing would happen again to me. I wrote down the man in the park who did something inappropriate with me. I wrote that down because that was something that would just bring me back into great pain and hurt. So I wrote it all down, and then I then I just tore it out, and I held it out before God, and I said, Look at this. These are These are all the people that I'm holding a grievance against who have hurt me in some way. And then I took it, and I just burned it in the fire, and as I did, I just watched those things go up in flames. Did it mean that those people hadn't done something they shouldn't have to me? No. Did it take them off the hook for it? No. But what it did was it changed my heart. I no longer, when I thought of that, I don't have the same feelings that I had. I don't um, feel the angst every time I think of their name, or um, some situation comes up, or if I go to a park that reminds me of that, I don't have to think about that. Now, um, God, He forgives and forgets, and we struggle with that forgetting. We could maybe forgive, but we struggle with forgetting. But what it did for me, it gave me great freedom. I can think of those without having that pain. So I'm going to ask you, take an action step. Those grievances are hurting you. They're hurting your relationship with God. I could tell it was hurting mine. So I took that step and it released me. It actually cut them off of me, took them and cut them loose from being on my back, carrying that that burden around with me. I'm encouraging you, please do something that will help you to be able to forgive those grievances. After we bring the offense to God, we need to be praying for that person. That's another step we have to do. We have to pray for those who have hurt us. Matthew 5, says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How are we going to do that? Well, here's a simple action set, step for us in Romans 12. It tells us to bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. I'm going to suggest that as you pray for them, that you bless them. Oh, that's hard to do, isn't it? For somebody that you're frustrated with, but God can change your heart through it. So you use the acrostic bless, B-L-E-S-S. First, you pray that God would bless their body, that they would be healthy and strong. And then L, you bless, you ask God to bless them in their labor, their work. What do they do? Maybe they work outside the home, but maybe they're a mom or a Somebody who is not working somewhere, but they're working. So maybe you bless them that God would bless whatever it is they're doing. Then their emotions. See, hurt people hurt people. So you're going to ask God, please give them joy. Give them peace. Give them love around them. Please bless them with those things. Then S, the first S, is socially. You ask God to bless their family relationships, bless their friend relationships. And then spiritual is the last S. And that's really the most important, that you ask God to bless them with a hunger and thirst for Him, that that they would be growing continuously in God and in their love for Him. So when you pray for someone, the coolest thing happens is as you bless them, as you pray for them, you begin to care about them. And some of that bitterness, again, melts away because you are investing in them and you are loving them. We must choose to forgive because the Lord forgave us. Whatever grievances you have against one another. And then it goes on to say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And how does the Lord forgive us? Well, in Psalm 103, it says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't hold our sin against us. So as we're talking about somebody in our life who we're having a grievance against, we can't hold that sin against them. It goes on again to say in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. So we need to be giving up, cutting that person loose from having a grievance against them. Listen to what it says in Micah 7, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnants of his inheritance? you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us and tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. It says that he delights to show mercy. When you're thinking about forgiving that person, do you delight to show mercy? That's what he expects of us is to give up that Grievance we have and delight to, to show mercy. And then he treads our sin underfoot and he hurls it into the sea. Doug and I have been married for 38 years, and I know that in that time I have done and said things that have been offensive to Doug. And I know you find this hard to believe, but there have been times when Doug did things that hurt me too. And I'm not a wife who would just hurl those things back at Doug. No, I was somebody who put him in my mind. And I would, if he did something else, I'd put it on my mental list. One more thing, one more thing, until I recognized that that was really hurting our marriage for me to have this long list of offenses. After I read that verse, I realized that I've got to do something concrete so that I can let go of the offenses that I have against my own husband. So what I did was I went down to the lake and I grabbed a pile of rocks. And as I held these out before God one at a time, I would assign an offense to each one of the rocks. And I would tell God, I want to get rid of this. I don't want to hold on to this offense before you and against Doug. And so I would take that rock and I would hurl that rock into the lake. And in that way, I would be letting go of that offense. and. Because I did that, I was able to delight, to show mercy to Doug by each one of these offenses, getting rid of it, letting go of those before God and before Doug. And the last part of that verse says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity we are to love as God loves us. We are to delight to show mercy in the way that God loves us. We're to love deeply. We're to love sincerely. In 1 Corinthians 13, it has a whole list of ways that we would love perfectly. I'm going to hold on to one of those, which says that perfect love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what I was doing. I had that mental list that I just kept ticking and putting more things on my list maybe you do too. Maybe that you're holding on to a fence to someone and you need to be able to let go of that. Let's look now at some action steps that we could we could take for this scripture. Are you clothing yourself? Are you putting your buttons in place by having compassion? Remember we said compassion is not only feeling sad about what somebody's going through, but thinking of a way that we can try to alleviate the pain that they're in. How about kindness? Are we treating people with kindness in a humane way? Are we looking at them? Are we uh, giving them the kind of kindness that uh, is showing mercy to them and not giving them what their sins deserve? Are we using humility in a way that we treat them better than ourselves, as Christ did, as he took on the very nature of a servant? Are we gentle with them? Are we clothing ourselves with gentleness, where The way that we talk to them, the way that we interact with them is in a gentle spirit. And how about patience? Are we bearing with those people that are around us, especially in this pandemic time? Are we bearing with others? And most importantly, are we forgiving the offenses of others? Maybe that's an action step that you need to take during this time, as I was preparing, I couldn't get over that there was somebody who came to my mind that I have not forgiven. And perhaps that same thing happened to you that you realize there's somebody you are holding on to offenses with and you have uh, some bitterness against them. Well maybe this is an action step that you take. You grab rocks and you throw them into the woods, or you throw them into some water. You dig a hole and you bury those kinds of offenses. Maybe, like we did earlier, you write down offenses that you've had, maybe against one person, or maybe you're holding on to a whole lot of offenses over the years, and you need to take them and you need to shred them or burn them. Do something concrete so that you can rip those people off of you and be able to give them the kind of forgiveness and love that that they deserve. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you so much that you point out things that we need to do to be more like you, how we can love like you, how we can put on some of these virtues, clothe ourselves with them so that we can live like you. Lord, we need to bear with others. And most importantly, we need to let go of the offenses, cut them off of us so that we can uh, not have the bitterness, not have the unforgiveness that rules in our life. We give it to you in Jesus name. Amen.